0: Starbucks Japan is delighted to announce an extension to our wildly popular Praise Our Customers Language Ability program to all of our customers, irrespective of where they've come from. No longer do you have to speak to us in basic Japanese in order for our staff to praise you when you order. You can now order in any language and our staff will pretend to be impressed. Bonjour, un café s'il vous plaît. Eh, Buon On Uno doppio espresso, per favore. Starbucks, Japan. Strong high street presence. Weak coffee. Faint praise.
1: Hello, Brian, and welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Ali Horn. And joining us this week is Joy J.J. Walsh, sustainable travel consultant, strong supporter of the movement to eliminate fossil fuels in boating, and the host of Seeking Sustainability Live, on which she interviews good people doing great things in Japan. Joy, thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks so much for having me, guys.
1: On this week's show, Japan wants to reopen to tourists and return to normalcy ahead of the Olympics. But Joy will help us look at some of the consequences of, quote, normal tourism in Japan. And no, Brian, we are not talking about that time you got drugged in Rapongi. Plus, Ali, this is a pretty special week for our show, isn't it?
0: Yes, Bobby. Ding, ding, ding. It is episode 54, and for reasons obvious to our regular listeners, episode 54... Is a special episode which we have commemorated by cutting together a short montage of the best bits of the previous 53 episodes of Japan by River Cruise. We will be releasing these best bits on our Twitter feed at JBRC Pod in the coming days, and those who are regular Buy Me a Coffee subscribers will be getting it first on their private Dropbox feed. Also, Bobby, this week is a special week because I'm going to be making my first ever River Cruise recommendation retraction. Ooh. You may remember that three weeks ago I recommended the movie studio stunt experience River Cruise in Hiroshima. Uh, but I actually found out that this is actually just a PR damage mitigation exercise from the firm who have experienced three major accidents in the last month and the stills of the wreckage, which I described in positive terms, should in fact have been taken at face value and I offer my unreserved apologies.
1: Also we've got a story JJ will enjoy. When the Uraga River ran dry in the late 80s, a local commune repurposed river cruise boats to build a small farming town in the riverbed. We'll take a look at how they're holding up these days. Now that recent construction has diverted water back into the river. That's in the second half of the show, but first, Soap Talk.
0: So, JJ, we're bashing the episode 54 pinata here on Japan Bay River Cruise, but you've done over 100 episodes of your show, Seeking Sustainability Live. Congratulations. Uh, How do you you. get such good guests? And can we have introductions to the best ones, please?
2: (laughs) Of course you can. And please use the list. The more talking, the better. Um, I'm amazed that I made it to 100 episodes, to be honest. And uh, I just started by asking friends and then they suggested other people. And then I asked the audience, uh, do you have any suggestions? Got some more amazing people. (laughs) We Um, should not do that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: We should not ask (laughs) our audience. (laughs)
2: Basically, my my net is wide because I can talk about sustainability with basically any topic. So the Mm. idea was to focus on things that are good for Japanese society in terms of culture and heritage and environment, and then bring in those concepts no matter what we're talking about.
1: I noticed you said you can talk about sustainability with any topic. so. Joy, uh, sustainable pachinko, go.
2: Oh, should be outside because of coronavirus. Um, (laughs) You should only have reusable balls, which I think they have already. Um, You should have noise dampening earphones so that people don't damage their ears. Uh, You should make history lessons, extra bonus points as you're playing.
0: (laughs) I've got some additions we can rather than using recyclable balls, we could just use something like cod row and make it edible. And oh, we can turn the smoke from all of the smoking into some kind of wind based energy.
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah, if it works. Great idea.
0: I never said anything about it working. <laughs> so of all the guests which have been in your wide net, which have been the best catch?
2: I love all the guests. I love all the episodes. Oh, there's, come on. There's Oh, it's true. But I, I take something useful and something inspiring for myself from all of them so it's very personal and very selfish but when i look at what are the most popular videos i'm always really impressed um people are very interested in japanese culture of course our audience is in the u.s and uh, europe as well as in japan Um, but for the audio versions our biggest audience is in india so it's really interesting to me Uh, What things about Japan and sustainability are very interesting outside of Japan, right?
0: Is there a general Japanese approach to sustainability that other countries can learn from? Or is it more the case that there are just individual people in Japan doing interesting things that don't necessarily have to have happened in Japan, but they're there?
2: That is a great question. I think there was a lot of sustainability embedded in Japanese culture, which has been lost by modern convenience, like many like manywheres around the world. I mean, if you look back in history in any country, you're going to see more sustainable practices, mm-hmm. more frugal practices. It's a, it's a curse, all this convenience that we have in Japan or elsewhere, right? So, we've gotten yeah. away from it.
1: Even in terms of things like fast fashion, right?
2: Yes. Fast fashion is awful. Um, so, getting back to one of my favorite episodes, we've had her on three times, Uh, She talks about tea culture, wearing kimono in her daily life, Uh, the Japanese aesthetic paprika girl. She works in film. What an interesting person. And she has a wonderful way of crossing the bridge between really difficult to understand Japanese culture concepts and explaining it in easy English. So that's been some of our most popular.
0: If she came on our show, she wouldn't need to cross the bridge. We could offer her a complimentary ferry crossing.
2: She'd like that. I'm sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely that you have such a good relationship with all of your guests and that you can say unreservedly that you like all of them. I think if Ali and I had to, Ali, if we had to say our least favorite guest on Jake three. Jake Adelstein, you, next. Jake Adelstein, yeah.
0: <laughs> so just before we move on, I do regret uh, suggesting that I wouldn't ask the listeners for any advice on guests because there is actually some advice I want this week, which is I've got a genuine moral dilemma. Those that have followed my saga know that over the last few months I've moved from apartment to apartment in Malaysia while I'm quote unquote stranded, but actually really enjoying it here. And I've now moved into a house share with a nice Belgian guy and what I presume to be a nice uh, Japanese guy. When I met this Japanese guy, originally he wasn't that friendly, didn't really say hello, so I like said one or two bits of small talk That was that. And then as the weeks have progressed, haven't really said anything more than a brief hello. Basically the moment to introduce that I speak a bit of Japanese has passed. Uh, It came to a crunch two days ago when I bumped into this guy uh, outside a gym and uh, he was like, oh, so you're a member of this gym? And I was like, hell no, Uh, but I want to try yoga. And he's like, why? I was like, oh, because I had a a bad back, had a problem with my back, Uh, which is true. I had sciatica in my back last year and I thought, I've got to get this better. And uh, he went, oh, what was the problem with your back? And I said, sciatica and he gave me that look which i've given that look thousands of times in my life when someone's speaking to me in japanese and i don't know the word just like oh and then at that moment i could have said the word for sciatica in japanese which i know but i didn't and i think that's it now because if ever in the future i now reveal that i speak japanese he'll look back to that moment to go why didn't he help me out why was he a dick so basically, do I now just have to swear to secrecy for the next three months or however long I'm going to be living here that I speak the language or option two, do I play a trick and on my very last day, blurt out a sentence claiming that I've learned the language just to tell him the sentence, just to weird him out and then leave forever?
2: I would say I, the next time you see him, you blurt it out in beautiful Japanese. Oh, and I can I've just, I've just <laughs> been studying. Is it okay? Am I Japanese? I just started learning. There you go.
0: Okay, so you're suggesting that even though I've got like a good now 12 years of speaking Japanese experience, I pretend I've done it in a week. Don't think I'm so kind of superhuman. (laughs) Especially if what you say is, by the way,
1: when we discussed last week, I meant to mention that I I have bad sciatica, especially between the third and fourth vertebrae on my spinal column.
0: You
1: say all that in Japanese. Uh... I don't even know
0: what he does. Maybe he's a chiropractor. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is my problem solved. Anyway, uh if you if you have any suggestions as to what I should do, uh that I'm literally willing to be guided uh by the Bryans, so email us in uh hit the fax button and let us know. Bobby, shall we take a look at the news? Bobby Judah,
1: what's in the news this week? So everyone's excited about Japan and their moves that they're making to reopen to tourism. Uh, Foreigners are being allowed back in and Japan is announcing that they're getting closer to reopening to tourists with an eye on spring of 2021. Uh, If you haven't been to Japan before, we should make it clear that spring is a season of the year of which Japan has four. Did not know that. I love learning things.
2: So different from other countries.
1: Spring 2021. So I guess, Joy, we'd like to talk to you a little bit this week about the current state of the tourism industry in Japan. And as a sustainable travel consultant, what do you think the issues will be post-COVID, pre-Olympics, if they try to open up tourism uh, just as business as usual?
2: Well, it's huge, huge problem. And you can see that even though we're in the coronavirus and we're having difficulties in all areas with business, Um, They're using the business as usual models and it's creating more problems. So we need more sustainable tourism consultants in there to give them ideas because recently we had this go to campaign in Japan. Yep. I'm sorry, that's a bad idea. Um, You (laughs) should And you're going to give that advice for free. And then recently, um, cruise ships have started again. No, sorry, bad idea. How did we get started with this coronavirus anyway? Started on a cruise ship. Cruise ships should only be used as petri dishes to keep quarantine for people with coronavirus or as volunteer aid associations. Sorry, no more cruise ships. It's JJ, a you're going to get
0: yourself we- censored. We-
1: we need to specify that she's talking about ocean liners and not river cruises, which no. are
0: often open air. River
2: cruises—they're
0: not completely confined.
2: fine. Open air.
0: You were treading on dangerous water there.
2: <laughs> I know that's your territory, but um, no, it's a bad idea right now. I I think if you're going to have a go-to campaign, you should have it for your area only. Do mm. not encourage people to travel across prefectures. I got my haircut a couple days ago. I had to sign a waiver that said I did not travel outside my prefecture in the last two weeks. I mean, everybody knows this is a problem. So yeah. we can still encourage tourism in our local areas, in outdoor venues. We can do it.
0: Is there not a bit of a problem that most of the energy around tourism over the last few years has been based on international tourists, those coming from outside right. Japan, because everything's been gearing up to the Olympics. Do you remember that? And I think Japan just hasn't got the the same amount of infrastructure to make domestic tourism as good as it could be because so much was plowed into making international tourists feel welcome.
1: Well, is that really the case, though? Because I remember seeing all this build up to the Olympics in terms of, you know, are there going to be enough places to store luggage are there going to be enough trains are there going to be enough hotels for the people to come in and everything that i remember seeing was like we're hoping to get everything ready by the olympics it's like this mad dash to have everything ready in time which corona kind of knocked on its end so if they've stopped
2: if if you look at the history of tourism in japan actually a lot of businesses a lot of hotels they would prefer only to have domestic tourists. And the domestic tourist market is actually really strong, you know? Just so, to clarify,
1: you're saying that traditionally Japanese uh, tourist business is racist?
2: I'm not saying that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <I'm> just...
2: <laughs> but, I mean, if you're, if you're a business and you don't speak English, of course, mm. you're going to prefer people who speak Japanese, right? It's right. Not, not just Japanese people, but people who And as we
0: all know, Japanese. people that aren't Japanese <laughs> cannot speak Japanese.
2: <laughs> but then the whole inbound shift did help open up the market to international mm. travelers. But don't forget, most of the travel market in Japan is domestic. So there's a lot to work with. And I get the
0: feeling that this inbound shift may have taken the industry by surprise because it happened almost by accident right? that all of a sudden three or four low cost carriers sprung up with direct flights to Japan from these provincial cities in parts of Taiwan, China, uh, obviously Hong Kong, Malaysia, where this new middle class could suddenly pick Japan. I get the impression that this all happened very, very quickly. And then the industry was spending time catching up.
2: Yes, very, very good analysis. Um, and cruise ships, I'm sorry, are part of the big problem. I visited visited Miyakojima. They were building this huge, horrendous port on a beautiful beach to accommodate cruise ships. They, They had no infrastructure to handle more than a thousand people getting off a cruise ship. There's no public bus system, there's no taxi that's gonna handle that, right? So it's in terms of the the national idea, it was all about numbers. How many people can we get? That's success. Millions and millions. That's success. No, that is failure. So coronavirus has done us a favor.
0: And you're saying the only top line figure they were interested in was not the amount of money people were spending in the country, but just how many people were coming in.
2: Yes. Whereas now, uh, Hawaii, I grew up in Hawaii. Hawaii's got a very... Um, advanced mature tourism industry right so now you can see Hawaii policy for tourism being made based on who stays the longest who spends the most who actually helps the economy most okay those are the visitors we want and you know who those visitors are Japanese Japanese Mm. visitors to Hawaii spend the most money stay the longest appreciate the culture Those are the customers that they want. And those are the customers that they're starting to cater to. It's very interesting.
1: I do remember seeing every year there was, you know, Japan crossed 100,000. Japan crossed 200,000. We're setting all of these records. We're setting all of these records. And they'd project for the next year. And then when they exceeded that, it was a celebration. And there was never really kind of any planning or focus on, on, well, where should the numbers be? in terms of what's sustainable like what yeah. what number would be a good balance what number do we have the capacity to provide uh yeah. tourism resources for and where do you cross the line into over tourism yeah. never i never saw any discussion around that
2: there there was discussion but in very academic circles or people inside an echo chamber people in the industry only talking to people in the industry i mean this is the kind of stuff you need media to be talking about and public interest and like PR campaigns, right? I mm. I basically, a couple years ago, even before coronavirus, I was saying you have to stagger entry to all major attractions, especially Kyoto. Kyoto is bleeding local residents. They don't want to live there anymore. They have mm. no value of daily life in Kyoto because of all the inbound tourists. Now, I think they're enjoying it during coronavirus a lot less busy but businesses are suffering
0: what specifically has altered the quality of their life
2: you'll be happy to know it's not about cruise ships this time it's about tour buses
0: (laughs) right Mm. tour
2: buses are horrendous and should be banned especially somewhere a classic town like kyoto with small streets um you have to keep the tour buses on the outside of town and make them take bicycles make them walk to go in. I see this in Tokyo too, in Ginza. The tour buses just go along the main street, clog the whole thing. They've got Mm. the engines running, so nobody enjoys walking around. And they're all, you know, I mean, a lot of Asian tourists just going in and out of Don Quixote. Sorry, no, no more tour buses.
0: So is what you're saying that the Japanese policy should be the kind of tourists who are coming on these kind of budget package trips should be disincentivized from coming?
2: I think uh, what we should move forward in, which is very sustainable tourism, very good post-COVID, um, you should require people to stay at least three nights, no in and out of Japan in a night or two.
1: Well, cur- currently they're requiring that they stay 14 nights. Oh,
2: yeah, that's right. <laughs> they're in quarantine. Um, yeah, that's crazy, which is much better. Um, good for the hotel that they're at but they're not yeah. supposed to leave the hotel. That's a that's a whole new a kettle of fish.
0: So when you talk about sustainable, you're not actually just thinking about the environment, you're thinking about sustainable in terms of the town and the village and the people, whether tourism can continue.
2: Yes, in sustainability, and I know it, the terms are always changing, but basically the fundamental three pillars, I'm gonna get academic here, talk about sustainability is people, planet and profits yes profits because if you don't make profits you're not going to succeed you're not going to last it's the long-term view of what is good for quality of life for people what is good for the environment of course that connects with quality of life and what you can make money off of to continue right so it's not just about the environment but that is a very common misperception for sure
1: you raised the point of having requirements for people coming in, you know, requirements for a minimum length of stay or things like that. Uh, one of the requirements that Japan is talking about in terms of reopening is having people obligated to use a tracing app, where they download an app on their phones when they come into the country, and then every day that they're in the country, they self-report. You know, They enter in their body temperature. They enter in their health condition for the day. And that's one of the ways that they're talking about uh, enacting anti-coronavirus measures do you see that as uh as either effective or realistic
2: um i i think using technology for sustainable tourism or for post-covid travel is definitely the way to go i went to a really great conference a couple years ago in tourism and Dokomo was talking and they were showing how they can track everyone's cell phones when they're in japan whether they're visitors or residents so and also if you think about google Google also tracks people based on their feedback about how busy places are, right? So if we use technology, like even somewhere like Kamakura, where you've got a great town, one street is super busy, maybe the next street's not busy. If our Mm. app tells us, avoid this one, it's too busy, go down the next one, you can have more space, better for after corona. It's better for sustainable tourism because you're supporting more shops, not just keeping all the... The same busiest shops busy plus we want to avoid crowds. Um, You want to have a better experience, maybe you want to go to a shrine at the not busy time so you can enjoy it. Uh, We have the technology, we just have to use it, we just have to have the will to use it.
0: So is your view that there doesn't need to be much intervention uh, by government but rather just offer these kind of small incentives and little technological solutions on a case-by-case basis?
2: I mean I think there has to be government intervention I I personally think places like Kyoto that are overrun with tourists, they need to ban tour buses between 10 and 4 or whatever their peak times are. They cannot allow outside traffic. I mean, they're doing this in London, right? Like only local traffic can use the roads. That should be a rule in places like mm. Kyoto.
1: How do you see that affecting demand though? Because There's a sense that these tourists from other Asian countries, from China, from Korea, I mean, nobody's telling them you have to ride a bus and go to Don Quixote. That's what they're coming here for. So how do you see this affecting demand or their desire to come?
2: Well, that whole tour bus thing is very interesting because tour buses are often the most of money that is coming from these tickets is not in Japan. Most of the money that comes from the tickets is actually from the country of origin Mm. and they sell these tour bus tickets. So there's so little value and so little benefit in terms of quality of life and economic benefit for the local destination. So tour buses, it's just bad idea. Sorry. Cruise ships, tour buses, not a fan.
1: How do you change that?
2: You have a parking area outside and they take the local public transit, like a monorail or they walk or they rent bicycles and use, you know, I think they would find it more enjoyable as well if they had more space.
1: So I guess the idea is that somebody overseas says, I want to go to Japan and they start looking into options and they say, here's a tour bus. It's cheap. It goes to the places I want to go and they book it. But if the local destination said, nope, you can't do tour buses, you think those people are still going to find a way to come over and enjoy it a different way.
2: What's really interesting, if you look at how um, department stores are doing now, how they're trying to tap into the cruise ship market, for example, there are department stores and malls in the middle of nowhere, but they have like an outlet mall and they have a direct bus that comes from the cruise ship and they can accommodate loads of people at the same time because they have a big facility and local people also go and use it. I mean, there are options, there are innovation in this in this way.
0: Bobby, it seems like your particular problem will just be solved by Don Quixote building shops in Korea and China. Speaking
1: of environmental impact, I think it would just be a lot better if you took the products that were built in China and kept them in China. You wouldn't have to send them over here to Don Quixote. For Chinese tourists
0: to go to Japan, (laughs) pick them up and bring them back again. I mean,
2: that's a decent argument. Like, Why are they coming? What is the appeal of Japan, and do we want visitors who are only coming for that reason? That's a huge reason to think about planning tourism better, right?
0: So what's your ideal tourist?
2: Ideal tourists are the French. At the moment, the French are awesome. You know why? They stay for, they stay more than a month. They travel around Japan. They stay in each rural destination a long time. They're feeding into the local economy. Mm. They're interested in Japanese culture, history and heritage. They they love it here and they are an ideal customer mm. in terms of tourism.
1: So you said they're spending time in rural areas and they feed into local economies. I noticed that um, you kind of have a focus on the idea that tourism should move more to local communities, rural areas in the future. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Sure, absolutely. Um, No more Tokyo trips. I would love to see people landing in Fukuoka, going out to rural areas in Kyushu, as long as those communities are happy to have visitors and are set up in a way to accommodate them and have activities that people are interested in. I think Mm -hmm. we're going to see a lot more like the van life talk that we had with renting a van that has a bed in it as well to get out to camping areas. Um, I think we've got so much potential there to move into rural tourism, for sure.
1: But if you look at the demographic projections for Japan with the aging problem and the low birth rate problem, all of the projections say that these local areas are dying and that Japan's population itself is moving increasingly into city centers. And in 20 years, there are going to be towns that exist now that no longer exist.
0: Or even worse, the same towns just full of French people. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> so this, this is where government incentives is really starting to have a good effect, right? Mm. Because of coronavirus, people are working from home anyway, right? So now the Tokyo government is incentivizing people to go settle in an akia in the middle of nowhere and we will pay you. They're going to pay a million yen to people that move from Tokyo, keep their Tokyo job online and move out to the countryside. And they're going to invest in infrastructure so there's better Wi-Fi and everything. That's a great idea. In terms
1: of international tourism, do you think there's an opportunity for the government to do that as well? We'll pay part of your trip if you don't come to Tokyo, if you don't go to Kyoto.
2: Great idea. If you go
1: see the balloon festival in Saga, we'll give you a subsidy.
2: I think so. I think an easy way to do that is to stop international flights to Haneda, stop international flights to Kansai and only have international flights to outside areas where it's easier, even Narita, easier to access the rural areas. I know it's not going to be yeah. popular. These are not popular ideas.
0: So, JJ, is the Olympics going to happen?
2: This is, this is the big question. Now, my very unpopular opinion right now is the Olympics are not going to happen. There is no way. Um, the NBA has already said we're not sending any players. Australia has nobody who can come from Australia right now. So it's, I just don't see how it's going to happen in a face-to-face format, in a traditional format. My idea is why not have the Olympics online from every location around where the athletes are and then you've got kind of destination appeal as well. They could show their local area, their local track, their home fans could go and watch make the Olympics an international online amazing sport event. I know it's never going to happen, but what, how great would that be?
0: Why not take it one step further and just not do actual sport, but computer games?
2: Well, e-sports, isn't it? Or yeah, online gaming, that's huge. Um, But instead of worrying about doping, all you're going to have to worry about is Photoshop. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> well first i was joking about uh, about making this a fully uh, computer games focused olympics because i'm sure that does exist but you know you're not the first person to raise that there are other ways that japan could approach the olympics but it seems that every time one of these ideas has floated the official response is along the lines of hmm yeah but we really want to hold the olympics so should we just hold the olympics <laughs> Hey, thanks very much for listening to this episode 54. Woohoo! We did it! Of Japan by River Cruise. Thanks as ever to those who support us at buymeacoffee.com. We could not do it without you.
1: And thank you to our guest, Joy Walsh. Congratulations again on 100 episodes of Seeking Sustainability Live. I mean, it's no 54, but it's it's something to be proud of. Uh, If people haven't checked out your show yet, can you recommend an episode to start?
2: Sure. In terms of sustainable tourism, I would recommend uh, Axel, who runs a company called Kokolo. And because there's no tourists now, they've started sending souvenir boxes from around the rural areas of Japan abroad. And I think that's great innovation, great transition during COVID.
1: Very cool. Thanks again for being here. And thank you to everyone for listening. We'll see you next week.